Smith. It is The Grid. It is December 14th. Can you believe it, David Lee Scales? Only nine short days, or wait, 11 short days till Christmas. It's too short. I don't like it. I think so much of the joy of Christmas is the month leading up to it, and uh, it's flown by. It's basically gone. I mean, kiss it goodbye. Totally. It is. Uh, is it your favorite time of year? Um, I like it. I like it a lot. Yeah. I'm going to say I enjoy the season from basically Halloween through New Year's. Me too. Everything gets kind of a bummer, I will say, after Christmas, because then you got truly nothing to look forward to until, you know, like New Year's is all fine and good. But you've really honestly got nothing to look forward to until the beginning of summer. You got to plan vacations for that part of the year. Yeah, it's true. It's true. At least we're not Australian. Because honestly, imagine the, I mean, the year I spent in Australia, the only good part of your whole year is like December uh, and, you know, around December, it is Christmas and it's also summer. And then the rest of the time is bleak, cold, without vacation. Yeah. Um, The, uh, that would be super weird, by the way, to have Christmas when it's hot outside. Yeah, they do it. They do it differently. Those Australians, they wear hats really and whatnot. We're like paper hats. <laughs> um, speaking of New Year's, we have friends who are getting married on New Year's Eve, and then they're dispatching the party at eleven p.m. Oh, why are they doing that? I don't know. I think like the venue that they're using for whatever reason they have to be done at a certain time. But I'm like, you cannot. No. Post, you can't like take our, our New Year's Eve and then let us out one hour before the actual party's supposed to start. Like, gonna, where do we go for that final hour? I'm going to be honest with you. That's one of the rudest things I've ever heard in my entire life. It's shocking. It's just enough time to get tired and give up and go home and fall asleep by 1158. Right. Exactly. Lauren was like, what are you complaining about? Like, we haven't stayed up till midnight in the entire time that I've known you. I'm like, yeah, but this is the one time we're going to be up till 11. So we might as well push it to midnight, you know? I mean, I hope that I hope that everyone leaves this friend's wedding kind of before they cut the cake, just to teach them a lesson. Everybody should have backup parties that they need to get to before the cake is cut. Agreed. I think we all band together to bail at eight o'clock. Yeah. I just, okay, thanks. Thanks, guys. Good luck. Yep. Congratulations. I'm going to start a petition today. Do it. Um. So in the surf world, we've got a variety no of things. No what? We have no pipe masters is what we have. That's true. Have you been paying attention to the forecast or anything like that? I have. I have. I've been checking in daily. And then I'll, I've been being a surf journalist, man. I uh, check to see if it's on. And then I run over, or even before I suppose I see if it's on, I run over to Surfline to see how it's looking. And, and what's the, what's What's the forecast looking like? Are we going to get an opportunity? Oh, I never look at the long term. I'm just, I'm a day-to-day kind of guy. But uh, I mean, for sure. But how many more days are, right? They're, it's, they're on seven days of hold. What's The window can't be more than 10 days. The window's the 20th. So they have six more days. Six more days. Oh, so I guess they do have a longer hold. But uh, yeah, well, I mean. Even if, even if I think there is swell forecasted, but um, like for the, next 72 hours maybe like three days from now but i don't know what the weather forecast looks like 
I mean, have they ever fully canned the Pipe Masters, or do they paddle them out come hells or high waters? They paddle them out no matter what, but I remember the year that B. Derbich won, it was down the beach at Ayukai, and he surfing like two-foot waves. Okay. I mean, I, I get it when it's a WSL event, event that you have to get the points. Like, that's what it is. It's what you got to do. But for a specialty event, I mean, obviously, Vans, everybody's paid a lot of money, but uh, wouldn't you just think, Oh, it just didn't work out. Let's instead yeah. of instead of airing something that will be crappy and be a bad representation of what we've worked hard to do, let's pump the brakes and do it next year. I wouldn't run the event unless it was proper pipe. Yeah, I mean, if you're not getting, I mean, I suppose with the whole air thing now, they could just make it an air show if they so felt. I guess they could. Um, while we're on the subject of pipe, we did not cover this last week, but we uh, we were remiss to not cover it. The Makana Pang incident. Yes. Did you track this and read Surfad's story? I sure did. I sure did. And Derek Riley's posted the video of the guy who almost decapitated him. So yeah, I followed the whole thing. Cool. Um, so this is the post Makana Pang's post initially was salacious and sensational. But to find out who the guy was and what his whole program was is actually shocking. And it's really revealing of the moment that we're at in surfing right now, um, which is embarrassing. It's it's like, I think Surfad said, it's he's not the problem. He's actually a symptom yeah. of the problem itself, which I think is actually actually accurate. But remember when surfing was regal? Like long before you and I discovered it, it was the sport of Kings. It was regal. It was all about grace. When we discovered it, all of that was washed away and it was more about aggression and being cool and whatever, probably trying to get laid, stuff like that. And that could be uh, viewed positively or negatively, but where it's at now, there's nothing positive about it at all. It's all just such a farce. It's vloggy TikTokers. It's like because it's surf, surf has become the pursuit of a vlog. Do you bet? Do you blame Ben Gravy? Largely, I think if you had to decide whether Ben was the problem or the symptom of the problem, I think you can. He veers more towards the problem. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. I mean, he, he yeah, came he, about in a time in the larger culture. Like he's a symptom of the larger culture, but in the surf space, he brought that symptom and created a problem. I mean, yeah, the, the uh, cuckoo has no business out at Pipeline paddling out for YouTube clicks. And then also the subsequent apology, if you, did you watch the apology on his YouTube channel or whatever? No. Uh, yeah. So, you know, his two camera apology. Like if you're a YouTuber, this is the best day ever, right? Like you almost decapitated yeah. someone which you can pretend that you or even really feel bad about that but clicks are going through the roof and then you post your apology clicks go through the roof for that right where you've just made two bits of content that are probably the highest viewed by far of anything you've ever made by almost killing someone right so how sorry exactly. do you feel uh when that's what your goal was to begin with is his goal wasn't to go surf legitimate pipe or to get a great barrel or anything right i mean maybe that's his dream but he's out chasing you know viewer clicks youtube clicks and he succeeded that's the, oh, the same with silly beach grit sometimes right like chasing 
salaciousness. And yeah, I mean, I'm not shy about it. I know what we're doing and we're, we're hitting the mark exactly where we want to hit it. Uh, and so I'm not apologetic about what we're doing, but, um, the, yeah, for, for a guy like that to be both doing something dumb and then trying to pretend you feel bad for it is, yeah, yeah it's not cool, man. Well, Duplicitous. Well, I'm going to break down the story or give people the nuts and bolts, um, the posts themselves. But in case they didn't catch that overview, Makanapang, who's North Shore, he's lived on the North Shore his entire life, comes from uh, kind of an iconic North Shore family. He took to Instagram, he posted a sequence of photos of him in a tube at Pipeline with somebody not even duck diving through the back of the wave. They're actually just slid off their board when they should have been duck diving so that the board gets sucked back in the lip and Makana's in the barrel right at that spot. And so the board actually hits Makana in the head. Um, the tail right by the fence hits him right in the head, knocks him off his board while he's in the barrel. And Makana posted the sequence of photos and wrote the caption that said, quote, I hate to be the guy with this paragraph rant, but look at this shit. I've gotten in the way a ton of times out at pipe. It happens. But if you can't even duck dive your round nose squash tail plug on a four foot day, then what the hell are you doing out there? This wave has taken more lives than any other wave on the planet and inexperienced people paddling out because they've watched all the perfect pipeline vlogs and YouTubes makes it twice as dangerous. Any of you that have been out there these past two swells have had moments like this where a person has gotten in your way just by paddling for the wave that I'm riding. Um, maybe you're the guy getting in the way and maybe you're part of the problem. He said nearly every last set on Friday was littered with random people in the way of the boys who are just paddling for the waves themselves when there should be a clear runway. Two thirds of the guys placing themselves underneath the locals don't even belong uh deserve to be sitting there that spot should be reserved for the next generation of local teens just because you don't see guys getting their teeth knocked out on the beach like before doesn't mean that the amount of respect for the wave and people out there should be changed uh, be aware that you are part of the problem and kindly get out of the way um, i mean unfortunately without the consequence of teeth getting clenched in though there is no i mean the whole dynamic has changed there's there is no uh negative penalty as long as you're willing to look like a kook and cop some instagram hate right like there is no penalty for you well totally true but my question is is it even salvageable at this point like the reason why there's nobody getting their teeth knocked out on the beach is because the consequence of that doesn't make it worthwhile. And, totally. and legally, societally, we're not going back to that. So what is it salvageable at this point to reinforce hierarchy in any way, shape or form at pipeline specifically? I mean, I would hope that you could do it with personal shame, not necessarily uh, Instagram shame, but like if that YouTuber shows up a pipe again, where he'll be recognized and he'll have enough guys come up to him and say, you're not surfing here. And I guess he could try to play the, what are you going to do if I paddle out? And then they could say, you're not surfing here. Right. And then if he paddles out, just block him on every single wave. Like, I think there's, 
I think the the dynamic of the conflict has to change. You can't punch people's teeth out anymore, right? But there's still no way that that guy gets away if uh, if there is a uh, consensus in the water that this guy's not getting away, right? Like I think a lot yeah, of coups, there's there's two there's two hundred of those guys. I know, but they I don't know. I mean, it's Eddie's got a dahui back up. There needs to be a another purple shorts that just like twice as many. Like you need because you honestly need guys out there uh, who aren't even necessarily surfing, who are just going to police the lineup, right? Who are just going to block and keep kooks out of the way. I mean, you need a whole if you had a coterie of guys out there that you know abide by the code and maybe a bunch of them aren't good enough to get waves but are good enough to block then heck go do your job and like get a gift wave once a year i've got an idea Hmm. homelessness is a huge problem on the other side of the island paddle the homeless up yes the only reason why people aren't willing why kala isn't willing to knock somebody's tooth out teeth out anymore is because he has responsibilities in life. He's probably got a family he's taken care of and he will get sued and lose all of those things. You got to find somebody who is economically depressed to become the enforcer. And the homeless problem could work in concert with this. Great idea. It is the full new, the wolf pack, the tent pack. Completely. If there is somebody who's already missing teeth, who has a load in their pants and they're swinging their fists at you, I think you go running every time. Yeah. Also, though, if they if, if they don't even want to make it violent, like a lot of those homeless guys. I mean, this again, the Jolani story of uh, uh, Sheldon, Sheldon, yeah, Sheldon Paisan, epic story, right? Bunch of those guys, I'm sure, in those homeless camps can surf, right? So pay them to paddle out, and they don't have to knock people's teeth in, but they can get in people's faces and and again be blocking out in the water, right? It feels like the problem is in the water. And so you need a bigger structure in the water to handle it. I, yeah, I do agree with that. I think don't even let those guys paddle out. The homeless can form a barrier along the sand and just be like, no, no. yeah, you're not qualified. Yeah. Round nose, squash tail, you're not qualified. Well, and that's totally true also. And just say, and if you want to challenge me, you think I have, who has more to lose here? Me or you? Yeah. Um, you would, yeah. you would, everyone would just walk away. That's a great idea. The homeless dude would be like, the homeless dude would be like, I would love a night in jail. Yeah. I would love a shower. I would love a warm place to sleep and a meal. I mean, this is a great idea. This is getting them all jobs, getting them. They should build, to be honest, they should stick them all in the Quicksilver house or whichever one just sold, Billabong house. They should give them one of the surf houses and they could live there and just enforce. Yeah. All right, we just need somebody to step up and organize this. Eddie, we're looking at you, obviously. And we, we also just need somebody to give one of those surf houses, right? Imagine the Evolcom gave one of those houses during the North Shore season to the homeless people who are going to keep pipe safe. How great that would be for the brand. It would be not only, the not return only the to homeless. the ultimate surf brand. It would. It would that, would. that would be the ultimate surf move. And they could spin it from a PR standpoint, like they're housing the homeless. You're housing the homeless, you're creating safety in the water at Pipeline, you're bringing order and respect back to the North Shore, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a great idea. I love this idea. Yeah, it's the best idea we've ever had in the podcast, I got to say. Congrats. It's, good, it's a good possibility that it is. Um, yeah. Well, just to kind of complete 
the narrative of this story. The article written by Surfad says, adult learner who nearly decapitated Pipeline Star issues brave mea culpa on YouTube. Quote, I've received a lot of death threats and a lot of hate. I know what I did was wrong and stupid and disrespectful. Surfads goes on to say, by the way, the kid's name is Parker Seidel. And Surfads goes on to say, it turns out that Parker has also hopped over to the slopes of an active volcano, uh, Mauna Loa, and tried to roast marshmallows in the lava flow, which has been threatening homes on the Big Island for a couple of weeks now. Of course, he recorded all of these clips for his YouTube channel, a big sign of disrespect to local Hawaiian customs. Then he and his group apparently became lost for hours on the volcano slopes, putting themselves at further risk. So he got a he got he posted all that stuff and started getting a ton of hate. And so he apologized about that and said, quote, I want to apologize to all the people I've offended. And I've definitely learned from this experience. I've received a lot of death threats and a lot of hate. I know what I did was stupid and disrespectful. From the bottom of my heart, I want to apologize. Um, I know saying sorry isn't enough. I knew it'll take time to fix. I'm educating myself about what I've done. I just feel terrible. I want to apologize to all the natives on the big island for what I have done. He then obviously went on to paddle out a pipeline and then issued a very similar, similarly worded apology towards Makana Pang, uh, which, and he also said, by the way, that he is going to take some time off social media and uh, to reflect on all of this, which also made me think that shaming does do, it does work, you know, like shaming did its purpose here by getting him to quit doing what he's doing, presumably. Who knows? I mean, maybe not. I'm going to say, sure, it's easy. It's part of the narrative to say, I'm getting, I've learned my lesson of mea culpa, mea culpa. I'm getting off Instagram, right? Or YouTube or whatever. He's not going to get off. He's had more clicks, I'm sure, from this than anything. And he's going to take a couple days to reflect and then think, man, that clicked through the roof. Now let's keep going. I got new followers. I have new eyeballs on me. It's time to, time to push it. Well, the videos, a couple of the videos that surf ads embedded on that article um, are now private. Like the ones that he got him in trouble that got all the clicks are now turned to private. So I'm not sure what's behind that. But what was what else was funny was I watched a couple of his videos, went to his YouTube channel, and um, the chorus of the comments on YouTube was supportive of him. Like, hey, uh, whoever's mad at you should calm down because by you posting this footage of you learning, it's teaching people basically how to learn and how to stay out of the way and all that sort of stuff, rather than just showing up and being ill-equipped, you know, um, which I thought was hilarious and, and wrongheaded. I mean, it's just dumb. Let's see. He's a dumbass. Like he's a full dumbass. who was doing a dumbass thing and should, like YouTube as a stunt platform, all that. I mean, how many of those are good, right? How many of those jackass I was entertained by as a, I don't know, whenever it came out. Yeah. Uh, that was funny, right? Jamie's stuff and Jamie's jackass stunts, I don't care for, right? I like watching Jamie surf. But I don't care about poopies doing stupid shit. And like this, like all of this whole format is dumb. Like, and of course, I'm an old man and maybe the, yeah. youth are spooning it up but it seems it's like low production crappy dumb pranks yeah totally agree 
totally not. Yeah. I think this is a, a example of the dumbing down of our youth and the dumbing down of the culture at large. I like that we're just getting older and older and are pretty soon going to be railing against rock and roll music and what it does to kids. Um, I Not rock and roll, but whatever the current music is, I absolutely hate. <laughs> and, I think it, and I think it does kill brain cells. What, what about machine gun, Ke- machine gun Kelly, oh, machine gun Kelly, machine gun Kelly, you know what I mean? Let's be like honest. The about. worst, the worst ever. I like, I get a steady diet of, I used to only force daughter to listen to my music on the way to the ballets, but I've softened now. And so I'll throw her the phone and she'll search through Spotify and play her musics. And well, some of it's not too bad. David Lee scales. What what do you recommend from her playlist? Uh, let's see. Who I'm gonna have to go look because I don't I don't record okay. the names in my head. But I'll I will send you a list that you can put on surfplanner.com/surf and people can look at it. Look at the five hot tracks. I I'm sure there's good music that's you know modern and being produced for kids like pop music that's decent. Um, but uh, so much of what becomes popular is just so awful. Even what Taylor about, Swift. Oh, Taylor, like, her, her and I will regularly listen to Taylor Swift, uh, the new album, and die laughing. It's like one of my favorite parts of our drive is because Taylor Swift now likes to drop the F-bomb in her songs a lot, but yeah. she is like fully one of those perfect people who does not know how to cuss. It's like watching somebody smoke who doesn't know or doesn't smoke and doesn't know how. And so they'll hold it all wrong. Right. And it's yeah. just like, don't smoke. You're not a smoker. Uh, same with, if you can't cuss, don't cuss. Like her, oh, what's a, that's a real something like snow on the beach. Did you hear that song? I don't even know what the, I'm not sure. So the lyrics are, or the chorus is snow on the beach, weird, but fucking beautiful. I don't know why fucking is in there. A, B, the way she says it is so effective. Snow on the beach, weird, but fucking beautiful it's just ah! but it's fun to listen well, to it and just both of us cringe and laugh lauren got uh tickets during that whole Ticketmaster debacle Ooh, she was part of she was part of the problem she was um and she might become a bigger part of the problem because you could sell them for like three times what you paid yeah. and, and i think she's considering it but at any rate it was a hectic two days in our household because of I'm that whole like, thing click, 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 click. Yeah, and like screaming frustration on the phone with two or three friends who are all trying to refresh and try, you know. Is she, is she, a, um, is she a Swifty? Yeah, so that's the that's kind of what I was getting at is she is, and so I've been exposed to the music as well. And number one, I've never seen grown women be so obsessed with a female pop star like Beyonce has certainly a following. But this is and like a lot of popularity, but it's a lot. This is like um, teenage girls and Justin Bieber, except yeah. it's adult women and, and a twenty five a twenty five year old woman. Yeah, it's it's yeah. odd. And well, in the it's, I mean, the fact that Swifties as a as a group are like the most vicious online ever. Like if you, oh yeah, you you didn't know about this. No. If Taylor Swift has beef with you and makes it public. Her Swifties, her fans, like her hardcore fans, will troll you on socials and just make you want to cut your head off. Like, just 
all the way mean and vicious. They will go to war for their Taylor Swift. Where were they when Kanye stole her moment? Well, I think that's when they really started, if I recall. Okay. I think that's when the Swifties came on strong and hard. Uh, but did you see that after Kanye's, I can't remember which, which Hitler praising got him his Reddit uh, moderator. He had his own Reddit or subreddit or whatever. And the moderator's like, okay, I'm done. And turned it into a Taylor Swift appreciation subreddit. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Well, the music, so back to Taylor Swift's music, I have been hearing it a lot in the house and um, it's not offensive by any measure. She's a great songwriter. But, but it's also not, to me, it's also not profound in any way. Like I, I can appreciate what it is, but it's no better than, I don't know what the Dixie chicks were doing 15 years. You know what I mean? Like it's good. But I don't understand why there's pandemonium about it. I mean, I would say it's profoundly less profound even than what the Dixie Chicks were doing. I mean, maybe I, I, I get it. It's like nice music and I'm, I'm not, I don't want to get this, this show canceled by the Swifties, but uh, like just the lyrics are just so contorted. Like you could tell that she loves writing. Like she really is in love with her voice, not her singing, or maybe she's probably in love with her singing voice too, but her uh, writing voice. Like there's so many clever, like really start listening to the lyrics and the clever turns of phrase that is like, wait, reminds me of the way I was writing as well. Like 10 years ago when I would stack like 20, what I consider real clever turns of phrase, phrase in one paragraph where Derek, thankfully took me aside in those days and said hey look kind of you know a piece can only handle like one real clever bit right like so maybe i'd maybe leave off 19 of the things you think are clever well the problem is taylor doesn't have anybody in her life to do that like she's so successful and everybody's getting paid so well that everybody just says yes all the time yeah no well and clearly she's the one selling billions of songs not me so her cleverness was not my same early stab magazine cleverness (laughs) well not that we need to spend more time on taylor swift but let's have a moment to discuss kanye and how insane he is which i feel like he's always been this insane right and i feel like i've been saying that all along but for whatever reason people were into it but he's absolutely insane right I mean, I think he's, I think it's a fine line between being a real artistic genius and crazy. Uh, and I think he straddled that line for a while, but was on the, you know, on the artistic genius, genius side of it. And I think he's dipped into crazy, like proper crazy uh, in the last, whatever, two months. I mean, it's just like, even if you could like back his like provocative white lives matter play at the fashion show. And even if you, you know, I mean, once you start ranting about Jews and then start praising Hitler, uh, you're pretty much over. He said in this week, the latest thing was he said Rosa Parks was a prop. And he's yeah. like, I'm going to he's like, I'm going to find dirt on Malcolm X. I'm going to find dirt on Martin Luther King. Rosa Parks was obviously a prop just working for the agenda. It's like he's completely lost his mind yeah Um, which again i think he always kind of had but what was crazy is i saw somebody post i'm trying to think of who it was um but they were walking past madison square garden in new york 
and there was this what looked like a protest going on and so he swung by to see and it's a group of um i don't even know what the group's called but it's black it's a bunch of black dudes who believe and fully support kanye and so they were pro hitler they're sitting there with a megaphone not a megaphone it was actually a microphone amped and propagating all of kanye's kind of rhetoric and saying and then the guy who shot the video he was jewish and they were like cussing him cussing at him people were throwing things at him and he's like whoa whoa i think you guys are misunderstanding about hitler you know and the guy with the mic's like no we're not misunderstanding anything hitler was never against us he was against you your people he was for us blah 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 and the guy goes no i don't think I don't think you understand. Hitler wanted everybody to be white, blonde hair, and blue eyes. <laughs> that doesn't include you. And everybody's just shouting this guy down, throwing things at him. He said he got punched on the way out. And I'm like, what alternative world are we living in where not only are people that dumb to where they follow Kanye and his rhetoric, but to where that's allowed to exist on the streets you know what I mean? Like it's, it is a hate crime and certainly I mean, what that guy experienced was, but it's just like, where are we living, dude? This is insane. It's wild. It's post-truth, man. It's YouTubers. It's what it is. It's that kid who paddled out a pipe. It's all the same problem. I agree. It kind of is. I mean, it's all weird. Do what you want. And yeah. And there's no real check on like rigorous research in order to, you know, get to the bottom of something or reading books that aren't just can't be wiped wiped clean right like there's yeah i mean we've lost our we've lost our ability to as a culture i think to, to either think critically or to uh i don't know praise or have critical thinking be like a real element in the you know a tentpole of of the way society works now it's yeah. outrage and it's wokeness and it's you know, any variety of things that don't involve thinking critically. It's what's my, what do I feel and how can I justify what I feel? Well, yes. And, but no matter how strongly I feel about something, I'm not going to get on the street with a megaphone and shout it at everyone. I guess I'm sitting here right now with a microphone, <laughs> a version of that, <laughs> but I'm not going to, you know what I mean? Like go out there and then vilify the other person who feels the other way and beat them down. You know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. the people's willingness to show their ignorance, I guess, is what baffles me. Like, man, you have to be really convicted to get out there with a microphone and do that. It's shocking how wrong you are and like how uh, poorly researched this is to get to the point where you're out there shouting into the megaphone. <laughs> you would think you would have done a little bit more due diligence. I mean, that's the thing where, like, I'm sure that there is, like, I don't know, the Nazis did throw propaganda, if I recall, into the U.S. about, like, to the African-Americans, hey, we're your friends. Like, these bros here made you slaves. Uh, we never did that. We're cool with you. And so I'm sure they're finding that stuff, right? And, yeah, like, reading Nazi propaganda to, I mean, that's the crazy thing. You can bolster your weirdo stance like any one of 10 ways if you're not thinking critically about it yeah well not to uh divert too hard back into surf but i'll segue by saying speaking of the uh 
decline of American culture. Um, what has become of professional competitive American surfing? There's only one on the qualifying series or the challenger series rather, the number of Americans in the top 15, there's one, actually there's zero. The one American is number 16 and there's only two in the top 30. So number 16 and number 30 are Americans. Other than that, it's all non-Americans. Is number 16 Jake Marshall? Who's number 16? 16 is actually Aton Osborne. Oh, what? He's I know. 16? Yeah. He's 16, I mean, and I didn't even know I didn't even know he was competing in this CS series, but American American surfing does seem like it seems like there's still a bit of quality on tour proper right like you have what i'll say kolohe still viable griffin colapinto is a viable professional surfer so there's two there's two americans in the top 15 on the ct griffin and kelly and kelly only was there not legitimately but it was you know i mean pipe was a great win and all but that's what stuck him that high i mean without that and 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 this conversation is specifically about where is the youth and Kelly doesn't qualify as a youth. So do you, do you think that, uh, what, that of course, Brazil has a surf crazed population, passionate people. Uh, Australia <laughs> has, has a great structure for organized yes. youth surfing and surfing is also Australia's national sport in America. Yes. Like, there's no, I mean, there is the NSA and all like nothing against the structures, I suppose, but I don't know. I was down at Seaside last week or maybe the week before Seaside beach or the wave down and reef. reef wave down and carted by the sea. And, uh, there was, they were running like a juniors event or something. Uh, and the waves were so bad and the whole thing looked so bad that, I mean, is it that we, is it that what, that America has a lot less? I mean, if that's not true, Brazil has not great surf. Yeah. What is it? I mean, it looked properly not fun what those kids were doing. Yeah. So obviously in this conversation, Hawaii is not included as America because it isn't in surf, you know, conversation at large. Um, so there are Hawaiian surfers kind of placed a lot higher than the American surfers in those rankings. Hawaii produces quality surfers because there's quality waves. Australia, for the reasons that you stated, Brazil, I think it is because it's a way out of, you know, for so many of those surfers who have become millionaires on the championship tour, it was a way out of poverty and circumstance for them. I think that the opposite is the problem in America, which is American kids have too much too soon. So even if they have the desire to surf and there's a little bit of an NSSA structure and a path, and by the way, the industry is here, the industry gives them too much too soon that it erodes all of their, all of the drive that Brazil has, you know? Well, and I'd say partially too, again, watching those, like if you grow up coastal in America, chances are you're upper middle class or fairly wealthy right like these kids all have money like nobody's dragging their surfboard out from 
the Riverside to go surf a Huntington Beach event, right? I mean, that kid would be the hero. He'd be everybody's kid. It was like, but then watching the parents and standing there in the parking lot, like thinking if any of you, I mean, I think so much of it is that the pro surfing as a career path has been fairly rotted out, right? Like, how are you, any of your parents going to think I'm going to make a pro, your kid better rip hard by nine and be like kind of the next next coming up already right for there to be any you're not gonna like i mean sure those kids surf on that nsa thing or whatever it was the junior thing could for sure i'm sure if you have enough passion and drive scrape on to the low qs qualifyings and then you know traips around the globe surfing thousands and bumping up and and doing it that way that's going to cost your folks hundreds of thousands of dollars probably. And you're never probably going to, uh, you're not all of a sudden going to turn on as a surfer, like by grinding the QS. The other thing that we've seen is even if it's the most talented nine-year-old on the planet, once you put all those structures on top of them and obligations on top of them, they can easily lose interest. They can easily feel all of that pressure and lose the passion for doing the thing anyways. So it's such a delicate balance of being able to harness that talent and um, get out of the way of it in a lot of ways, you know? I mean, it's true. And well, you know, I, I suppose think of this a lot in terms of youth and talent and drive, like for ballet, you can't, I think by and large, you can't decide at 13 or 14, I want to be a ballerina and then make it right. Like you had to have decided that you were on the professional ballerina track, uh, at eight or nine. Um, but there's also this giant structure that takes you there. And that's also ruthless about your talent, right? Like there's, I mean, I'll full on tell you, Nope. Like if you're not doing this at this point in life, give up because I mean, enjoy ballet, go do a couple of classes, you know, to do it for fun, but you're never going to be in a company, uh, which is great, right? There's a structure that does it. There's no structure like that in surfing. Nobody's going to look at a kid who's chasing the QS and say, hey, buddy, if you were going to make it, you would have made it. Enjoy surfing, get a job. Yeah. I wonder too, if there's just less incentive to be a competitive professional surfer, you know, like they could become a vlogger. Yeah. I mean, oh man, and that's the, we think we talked about it on the show. That is like the number one vlogging or being an influencer, influence, I suppose, is the number one now job uh, desire of kids. Imagine how I depressing. I know. I um, I think it was Stab Magazine as part of that How Surfers Get Paid series. They wrote some text they were talking about Jack Robinson, not Reese, not Robinson, Jack Freestone, not re-signing with Billabong. And Billabong was going to offer him less money because he's not on tour anymore or whatever. But ultimately, that would prevent him from having other brand partnerships with people who just want him to post on Instagram, essentially. And they said, you know, Alana, his wife, gets paid $30,000 a post for a sponsored post because of however many millions of followers she has. And so it's like, that's an insane number. 
And it would be wise to not put any limiting relationships that would blockade any of that stuff. So instead, he's just going to go free agent style, build up his following and do posts for whatever it is, you know, which I and I love Jack Freestone, but I hate that model. Right. I hate the social media, you know, like love Jack, nothing against Jack. And he's doing the smart thing. Clearly, if you have that kind of reach and uh, access to that kind of money to do that stuff but it's not the kind of surfing i like i hate seeing those paid posts I, I don't like watching surfing anymore really on instagram like getting or post posting way less myself full stop made me realize how tired i am also of scrolling instagram and i would rather sit down like the the time i spent this past whatever month ago or whatever it was watching the florida surf film festival films sitting down with tension not like brain somewhere else and just like scrolling to kill time but sitting and watching i enjoyed those films so immensely and it made me realize when i'm watching surf clips on instagram not necessarily enjoying them i'm my brain is somewhere else and i'm consuming them but no more yeah yeah i agree i there's always place for story you know what i mean uh and art and for instagram that too but Instagram is not the place or, I mean, it's, it's so commodified at this point that it's lost a lot of that. Um, speaking of commodity, the other uh, big story in new in surf news this week is that Hurley is about to swallow Billabong and Quicksilver whole. Yikes. Yeah. So Blue Star Alliance um, company that bought Hurley is positioned and, working through a deal, which takes about a month or two to actually acquire board riders, the company that owns Billabong and Quicksilver. So all those companies will be owned by um, Blue Star Alliance, one large umbrella company. It is officially the end of the surf industry as such. Like there will now moving forward be surf brands, but no more surf industry. Yeah, that's true. It's a great point. I mean, we've kind of used surf industry in quotes for some time now, um, but do, do, first of all, do you care? And what does this mean to you? I mean, I think it's sad. I, you know, I'm not nostalgic, I suppose, or don't want to be nostalgic, but I think it's, again, we've talked about on the show, these brands used to mean something and you used to identify, I think, with one of those brands kind of, and, you know, their rosters of surfers and all of it were a meaningful part of the surf conversation and now that's that's meaningless right it's just it is those brands and those brands uh i guess the the weight whatever the weight of their logos are and how far blue star will be able to push those onto more shaving cream and whatever right and i guess great for blue star or for hurley i thought when they acquired it was just going to go straight to fingernail clippers and beard oil and that's all they were going to do but they've kept pro surfers on right they still sponsor events and so i'm sure would imagine they'll do something sort of somewhat similar for billabong quicksilver volker and ruka but again i mean back to our conversation of the pathway for any kind of legitimacy as a in a surf career very much dwindles with with that like they're not going to bid against themselves for talent yeah, and that's why the, surfer, the surfers themselves have diversified 
you know, uh, to earn money off of social media and so many other things. But the one thing, the another thing that I thought of was um, it. So those big corporate brands have lost so much of their cachet with this core surf community, which leaves a huge gap for the small independently owned brands, which the Vislas of the, the Vislas of the world Rourke, all that sort of stuff. And so I think those companies need to recognize it's a real um, viable and fertile time for them to actually grow their businesses. They could grow tremendously in that void and then also thinking long term is they can become acquired as well. Like there's now a very clear path to this for them. And if they take the ball and run with it right now, they could grow from being a $20 million company to a, you know, double, triple that. And they're in position to be acquired. I mean, we, you know, out of the goodness of our hearts, David Lee, we don't have any endemic sponsors on this show, nor have we ever, I don't think, right? We've never had a, I mean, clothing brand sponsor, have we? No, yeah. So out of no. the goodness of our hearts, though, we should do the core gift buying guide of even just a couple, right? Like the critical slide societies, the uh, Vistla, like you said, just those like our favorite core brands and send people that way. Yeah, I'd be fine with that. We can do it next week, right before Christmas. Let's do it. Um, I just spent... A lot of money was slow tide yesterday. Good on you. Well, yeah, for Christmas gifts specifically. Did uh, does so, slow tide? Yeah. Do they make? Do they thousand dollars make sheets? Do they make thousand dollar sheet sets? David Lee scales. No. Fifteen dollars. They should. Guess what? I, I got DM'd by somebody who said, "Hey, those sheets you're talking about, where can I find? What are they called?" Boom! In your face, David Lee. So there's a sale right you know, there. Too bad they're uh, not a sponsor. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad. Um, yeah. Well, so my other thought was, quote, industry is not just made up of the surf brands themselves. It's also made up of media. And when we got into this space, those legacy companies were still intact and strong. We've slowly seen them lose market share and then eventually go away completely. And look who is standing in that void now. It's you and I, friends of ours. Yeah, you and I and friends of ours um, who are really the ones creating the content and have all of that market share now. So you could be next up to be acquired. Great. Beachgrid.com slash surf. Come in. Beach now accepting offers. I mean, honestly, that is the question. Would you, if the enthusiast network reached out to you in the next, let's say three years and said, wow, you guys have absolutely filled the void and we want a piece of that action. Would you consider selling? Mm, sure. I mean, anything is, you know, it all depends on the number. I wouldn't consider at all selling for a lowball offer. Yeah. Yeah. But, and I would, I would, you know, say, Hey, if you're buying this, you're buying what it is. And so you got, you can't get in the way. What if they said, we don't need your advice on how to run the business, but we'll pay you what, whatever the number is that you, that it's worth it to you. Um, so for you, for your role, you'd get the payday and you'd have to walk away. 
Yeah, I mean, if it was enough, for sure, right? Would you for for the Surf I, Splendor Podcast Network? Yeah, I absolutely would. Um, and I'm sure you have to sign the non-compete for whatever the period of time <laughs> is. I would do it. I would do it with the full understanding of like, um, I'm not done working. Like, I I have a bunch of other ideas yeah. that I would then be able to pursue and execute with a bankroll. And so, yeah, that just gives me the ability to go pursue those things, Thanks. you know. What if but they, I wouldn't. What if, what if they said we're buying Surf the Surf Planner Network? We're giving you a lot, but what we we need for you, uh, we need one thing, and we're going to give you like X times earnings, whatever, right? Like way more than like a chunk of change. We need you to follow Taylor Swift on tour for one year and do regular podcasts like before and after concerts with fans, you know, people, stagehands, the, the accessory bits around Taylor Swift, never get to meet her. But we want, we, we've seen you and your ability to podcast. That's what we want you to do for one year. Well, Lauren would kill, divorce me if I said no to that. So it's an easy yes. <laughs> if it was Kanye, on the other hand, I could easily, I might say no. I could turn that one down. <laughs> I'll be like, I've got a nice little lifestyle doing this. Yeah. You keep the money. I'm just going to do this. Keep doing this. Smart, smart man. Thanks. Um, you know, lifestyle is important. It's not all about money, Chaz. It's true. It's true. I hear you. Um, okay. So let's do a couple. I've got two true grit or clickbait crap uh, let's do headlines em. that I need of your own that I need to read to you. And you tell me which they are. True grit or clickbait. Quote, acclaimed rapper Azalea Banks utterly ravages Surf Mad Australia, refuses to ever perform in Lucky Country again. Quote, y'all got a lot of different culture around here. This place makes me utterly miserable, end quote. I mean, the whole rant on there, yeah, it's very surf specific. I mean, what is more, you know, she clearly had her big beef in Brisbane, but she was talking about the whole region, Gold Coast, you know, like there is no, I mean, pipeline, of course, North Shore is a surf mecca, but I think Australia's Gold Coast is also a surf mecca, right? Surfers yeah. paradise. And so very specific. So she's very specifically talking about these surf people. And man, that rant was, that was like the light part of it. She went off. What is she pissed about? She's pissed at their, I think at the end, she's pissed at their weak-ass currency. The fact that she goes to Australia and performs and gets like uh, 75 cents or 65 cents or whatever on the dollar. But she was pissed that she got, that they're racist, that she got stuff thrown at her, that she's a proud black woman who's playing concerts for racist bogans or throwing stuff at her. And I will... I don't need this and you're, I hate you all, et cetera. So you did not like Australia, David Lee Scales. Never going back. That sounds, that sounds like the definition of racism to me. Yeah. She's, she's being bad. racist. Too bad, too bad Australians aren't a race, but maybe they should be. Maybe Australians should try to identify as a race. Um, I don't even know who Azalea Banks was until I read that article. Yeah, I read... Uh, I was aware of Azalea Banks' name, but I had never listened to her music. And then I was laughing while I was writing it at the breakfast table today and shared it with uh, with sister-in-law and her uh, husband. 
And they both like rolled their eyes and were like, oh, this is what Azalea Banks does. So apparently this is her thing. She like starts, pops off the mouth and starts problems. Smart. Yep. Ends up in headlines on Beatrit. Exactly. Working the algorithm. Yep. Um, all right. Second article headline, quote, conservative firebrand Fox and Friends hosts learn how to surf in New York during segment that devolves into wildly lewd orgy of lust. Well, this is a less serious. I mean, I'm going to say that the headline there was um, led, leaned slightly into the clickbait, David Lee Scales. But what was funny about it to me, and I just didn't know what else to say, they were talking about, there's a lot of ripping pants talk. And the girl host, there was two, two guys and one girl. And she said, and it's the surf instructor. And she said, uh, I'm worried that if I get down and fake paddle on the sidewalk, you know, on your soft top, that I'll rip my jumpsuit. And a couple of them were like, it would be better if you did or something like that, which I thought, oh, it's kind of rare. It's not an orgy of lewd, I don't think. But uh, the thing about the segment made me laugh is how many of those have you seen in your life of I know new hosts getting the surf lesson where you're like, you know, either in the studio or on the sidewalk in New York or somewhere not near the ocean, you know, I'm not even talking about these new segment surf lessons where they're actually surfing or getting a surf lesson. I'm talking about the ones that, you know, you're, yeah, Ellen DeGeneres getting her surf lesson on stage, whatever. Uh, it's all, there's been enough of them where it's its own genre now. Like we it can really catalog is. every, every one of them and have a definitive, the way Matt Warshaw catalogs surfing. Oh, speaking of, we should get to that. Matt Warshaw and his encyclopedia of surfing. But uh, the way he codifies surfing, we could codify surf lessons, not at the beach, news segments. And it's not as if, you know, Kelly Ripa is going to Hawaii on their break. And so she's doing the surf lesson to prepare for Hawaii. It is just random. Like they're in a New York studio in the middle of winter. And that's just what they're doing for some reason. And it's, it's not like anyone who's watching has any interest in surfing. Like, right. I don't know who watches Fox and Friends Weekend, right? But I would imagine who watches it is 65 to 85 year old Midwesterners, right? They have yeah. no care. They like, they like the, I don't think they dislike the segment. That's the funny thing about these segments is I think they're enjoyed by the audience. They're like, how quirky surfing. Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, so it like works as a segment, but not one person cares about surfing like the dude from the surf school locals only or locals surf school i think is what it was called in new york somewhere uh so that guy woke up at whatever time in the morning to get to you know from wherever he lives to downtown or like wherever fox is you know i think it was uptown manhattan uh or central whatever but i'm sure a pain in the ass Lug his stupid soft top surfboards. I'm sure it was like a whole day thing for him. Uh, he got his locals surf school plugged a couple times, right? Such and such from local surf school, but not even plugged with an email address or anything. So all of that for a tiny plug that not one person is going to say, well, wait a second. Let's go to that local surf school down in Montauk, wherever he is. And right. learn. So a giant waste for everyone. But it wasn't That's a lewd hilarious. Order. All right. Well, too bad. The loot orgy yeah. made it sound a lot more interesting. Ripped pantsuits, though, were getting talked about. Yeah. 
Um, all right. Well, let's go to commercial break. Got to give some love to Bubacoos, and then uh, we can come back with our recap of the White Lotus and then Barrow oh, Great. Chaz, uh, whenever we talk about bubacoos.com slash surf, we're talking about Nashville, hot chicken. We're talking about, um, you know, these fusion blends uh, put into a burrito or tacos. But what we have not told people about is that they've got a bunch of health food options too. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, I like the non-healthy stuff. Let's be honest. I drink my athletic com slash surf in the morning and then i feel like i can go off and enjoy the nashville hot chickens the fact that bubba coos gives you both it's like the ideal restaurant the one that you can take your wife to totally and kids and gluten-free friend and vegan friend all in one meal so I'm always I, looking I, for Coos around me yeah one day that's going to pop up and you can take responsibility for that i need to well, they've got a keto bowl. They've got a whole a whole food plant bowl, vegan bowl, cauliflower quesadilla. Is there anything cauliflower can't do, by the way? They make pizza dough out of it. Apparently, they're making tortillas out of it now. Things versatile, mashed potatoes out of it, mashed cauliflower. The real rice it. The real be- the real beauty of a cauliflower quesadilla, though, is the best way to eat cauliflower is with cheese on top. Now they're just exactly. putting cheese the middle of the cauliflower smart totally smart super versatile well done baba coos for taking advantage of that versatility so baba coming out of the east coast coming out in jersey sponsoring the esa um all of that and they're moving west and so there's franchise opportunities we have two locations already in california so you can eat there as well but go to baba slash surf order if it's local Consider a franchise if it's not, and uh, yeah, enjoy. Hiring for a small business is critical. It's imperative that you find a highly qualified professional to treat and grow your business with the same care and detail that you do. LinkedIn Jobs will be your next big unlock. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team fast and for free. Everybody is already on LinkedIn with their resume and their references. So the fact that LinkedIn built a hiring platform to connect the dots between everything is simple genius. It's way more sophisticated than a job board. It's a vast network of more than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set, desire, ambition, all in an effort to help us advance our position. And it's easy to use and intuitive. So effective that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Fast hiring solutions means achieving your goals in record time with rapid growth in 2024. LinkedIn Jobs will even help you write the job descriptions and give you tools and prompts to help you interview your candidate like a pro. LinkedIn.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. And you can let the world's largest social network of business professionals work to connect you with the ideal candidate to help you grow your business. That is LinkedIn.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.
All right, Chez, we're back. Did you finish The White Lotus this week? I sure did. A day late, but I finished it. And what were your thoughts? We, I don't know. We don't need to spoil anything, but did you enjoy? I loved it. It was great. Like it wasn't I maybe the best ending I've ever seen on a, on a, <coughs> excuse me, on a uh, season of something, but it was totally satisfying. Yeah. I loved every minute of it too. I think it delivered on all of that kind of tension building and, but I felt like it was a little bit of a cop out with a little bit, little bit. like, like I, I felt like so much. Okay. I guess this will be a little bit of a spoiler. So much the central tension was between the two couples, right? And that's where I feel like the murder should have taken place was in that dynamic. Um, And then beyond that, the way that that storyline ended also left kind of a sour taste in my mouth. The, the air was really let out of the balloon on that whole, like you built it up to such tension and you're exactly right. The only way that could have been, uh, I think, like uh, brought to a uh, satisfying conclusion would somebody there and that four had to die. The fact that ostensibly all of them went away happy. Like, went away happy, but also I felt like uh, the Aubrey Plaza and her husband, they compromised their morality and gave in and were ultimately taken advantage of by the other couple who had a game plan in place the entire time. You well, know what I mean? So I feel like that's what left it sour in my mouth was just like, God, it's the immorality of it left left a sour taste. It'd be awesome, though, to see uh, Aubrey Plaza and her husband come back in the next season and just be like decadent and like basically like Cameron and his wife right like decadent decadent, swingers yeah decadent swingers more or less totally that would be interesting in the way that Tanya McQuad came back in this season like they're the follow follow follow-up characters in the next season they'd they'd be the one I want to see play through but also uh, I'm glad you found a photo of Mike White wearing a Channel Island shirt to further prove the uh assertion that he is not just a surfer but a core surfer yes a bunch of people sent me that photo apparently is wicked that's the photo that's on his wikipedia page he's on stage somewhere and uh, he's got a channel islands t-shirt on do you think that our good friend from channel islands devin howard or maybe been sticking owner of channel islands Britt merrick uh are going to send mike white a customized mid I wouldn't be surprised if they already have a relationship with him. Well, we're going to have to get to the bottom of this. Yeah. Yeah. We'll do some serve journalism. Yeah. Um, the other follow-up probably from two weeks ago, we were talking about how like in kind of the woke modern world, actors aren't allowed to play roles that aren't exactly their ethnicity or whatever, because, you know, uh, you don't wouldn't want to blockade someone of that ethnicity from getting that role, basically. Did you see the article that was written in the New York Times about the whale? I had read, no, I had read something before, but tell me, I'd read something before about a gay or a trans fat dude, or whatever it was, being angry that this is the one role I can play and it's taken. Yes. He's pissed that Brendan Fraser 
is not legitimately a 450 pound gay dude. And he's getting all of the praise for playing the role when it's only the role is really half Brendan Fraser and half a puppet, meaning a fat suit. Yeah. Like he says the fats, the fats shoot suit should be getting half of the acclaim. Well, and, and this guy too, from, I didn't read the New York times again, but when I had read about him was like, I basically have, there's one role that's custom made for me to play only one in this world. Like Brendan Fraser right. can, he can play a lot of roles, right? There's, he can play any variety of man aged what to what. Um, the only huge fat, was it gay or trans? I can't, it was gay, right? I, I think he's just gay. I didn't really investigate that deeply. But it's, uh, I read a- Because if he was trans, he wouldn't be able to play the role in by his own logic. That, that's true, that's true. Well, I mean, on the same note, because uh, of course the movie, you know, smashing critical success. Nobody wants to see it, right? If you, do you have any interest in seeing it? I do. Yeah. Heck yeah. I don't, I don't. I read some Fox headline that said the reason that Hollywood, that these critically claimed movies never get watched is because they're all basically depressing. And uh, yeah, like the whole thing, which is kind of true. Like, you know, there's no laughs anymore. There's no, like, it's just all of the most depressing shit ever is the stuff that gets that critical acclaim. That, that might be true, but I will watch anything that Darren Aronofsky does. I would have, but this one really doesn't, not for any other reason than it just seems like a drag. Like, love yeah. Brent Frazier. Saw Brent Frazier eating Korean barbecue a couple of years ago. He looked fat. He looked totally fat and miserable. He was, like, alone. You know a Korean barbecue restaurant where, you, like, the barbecue is actually there? Yeah. He was alone at his Korean barbecue station, looked fat and totally depressed, and that really made me like him all the more. But not going to go see his whale. Well, since then, he's had quite the turnaround in terms of like popularity and notoriety on the internet. So, and now this, he's, of course. He's had to come up, but he's not going to the Golden Globes. They touched his bottom. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, somebody at the Golden um, Globes bottom. Well, let's wrap up with Barrel or Nah. This is a circus themed Barrel or Nah. Coming off of one of your headlines off Beach Grit, we'll start out with quote, Legendary San Diego sword swallower accidentally slashes stomach, pierces liver in stunt gone horribly wrong. Holy moly. I had no idea how bad that thing this was. Barrel or not, sword swallowing. Oh, I'm going to say no barrel. It makes me cringe so hard to watch it. Like the, it makes me gag. It makes me avert my eyes in ways that most things don't. Like the whole I get it. It's I me mean, doing a little research for the story. I don't, people think I sometimes just write stories without researching. I researched this for 30 seconds and discovered that sword swallowing has been around since the first century AD. So it's, I get that it's a thing, right? It's been around. It's historical. It is, you know, yeah, but I can't look at it, man. It really, it really hurts my eyes. So what happened exactly or what went wrong with his stunt? I couldn't really tell. The article was poorly written, but I drained off of. Uh, he was doing a stunt, I think, called the Five Swords thing. And so he's swallowing five swords. And they, I guess they, uh, something happened where they sliced his, liver, pierced his liver, sliced his intestines, all kind of bad stuff. I've seen that where they have like, he they stack multiple swords 
and then like turn them while they're in their mouth basically yeah. and then withdraw them so that must have been what it is it's uh, stupid it's stupid for him to use sharp swords just why not just use a dull one i mean even a dull one down there is probably you know it's piercing stuff it's not like i don't think it has to be that sharp to pierce your, do you think your liver is that tough it's a nice shell on it i don't I like no it. Idea, i don't dude. like I don't, I don't like it at all either. And when I was growing up, honestly, I thought that it was a magic trick. I thought like the sword collapsed or something. I didn't know that it was a legitimate, no. they're legitimately pointing, po- putting a pointy sharp sword down their throat. Down their esophagus into their, wherever it goes, their belly, their whatever hits first. Wow. No barrel, no barrel, no barrel, no barrel, but I would like to hear from Scott, whatever his name is, the guy who did it. Well, I'm surprised that we don't hear I'm surprised that we don't hear these stories of it going wrong more frequently because you don't start out as an expert sword swallower. You have to start at the bottom and it probably goes wrong for a lot of them. I mean, you think what do you do you start swallowing a butter knife? Must. And then you build up from there. Oh, oh gonna, no I would stick start up. with a chopstick. Yeah. No barrel. Uh, okay. Barrel or not, nah, fire breathing. Fire breathing, on the other hand, is a barrel. Looks cool, man. When you're out there, mouth full of kerosene or whatever they put in there, and especially if you're at a luau in Hawaii, it's extra cool then. I like That's it. the thing. There's there's a lot of cultural context for this one as well that needs to be considered, but it's bad for the teeth. I think it's bad for your innards as well. So there's a lot of health risk involved with fire breathing. But it looks cooler, and it doesn't make somebody cringe. It doesn't make you look at it and say, oh, oh, oh. Like you look at that, the thing with fire breathing, because it does often happen at luau's in Hawaii, is yeah. it totally fake? Did the Hawaiians actually, you know, blow flammable liquids at fire and make it, was that part of it? Or did they import the fire breathing thing from Turkey or wherever it first started? And just like, ah, oh, this looks good. We're dancing with fire already. Let's like blow it out of our mouths. Cool. I, I have no idea where, where the origin began um but i agree with you that it does look cooler and yeah the sword swallowing is akin to a magician which is not cool and it's kind of like hoke it's cheesy it's creepy is what it is fire breathing yeah. is masculine sword swallowing is creepy yep. somehow for some reason and so it almost gets it a pass known, it's, it's totally true gets a pass like Especially if you're close enough in the front row there where you can like feel the warmth of the flame. Yeah. Say, ooh, nice. There's a man conquering nature element to fire breathing. Yeah, like it. All in. Thumb barrel on fire breathing. Okay, well then my third one is even a even more man conquering nature. Uh lion taming. Oh, barrel. Barrel for sure. Like remember remember lion taming? Sure. Like, I mean, not only, I mean. I'll say lion taming went a bit wrong when you had, uh, what were the Las Vegas guys? Siegfried and Roy. Yeah, I mean, I guess they were tiger taming. But I liked, as a kid, the image of the lion tamer with the chair and the whip with the top hat on like that. It's a real classic image, right? That looks good. What is that? What is that chair going to do? He has a chair. He has a wooden chair. He has a whip and he's wearing a top hat. Like, that's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool. If you... I'm going to say, if you put anyone in a top hat holding a wooden chair, but not holding it like they're going to sit in it, holding it out like a weapon, 
and to a defend whip against a lion in the back. You, no matter what situation you're in, you're cool. I would love for a professional surfer to head out to Mavericks with that kit before paddling out, like holding a chair in a top hat with a whip. You know that guy's going to get the wave of his day. We're about eight months away from Ben Gravy doing that because oh. he will have exhausted all his other options and that will be where he lands. Well, I mean, Ben Gravy, though, if Ben Gravy actually, what Ben Gravy should, honestly, is take his stupid, I'm sorry, Ben, take his surf shtick and just expand. He should go train as a lion tamer. I'm fine with that. I feel like that's like yeah. a Jake Paul. Like Jake Paul's probably done something similar to that. So you could just follow in those footsteps. Yeah, do that. Do that. You've done. You you can't go surf all 50 states again. No. Um, the lion taming, though, it is very, very impressive. Like to ever try to engage with that animal, that beast, just engage with it. And then to get to the point to where you're actually taming it and it has respect for you is an unbelievable feat and it is very barrel it's it's funny that the weirdos gravitate toward tigers see tiger king see siegfried and roy see a bunch of freaks going tame tigers can you think of a a freak who tames lions no in fact it's the opposite i've seen the video clips of the guy who um raised a lion cub and then they release the lion back into the wild. And then 15 years later, they reunite and the lion comes running that. at him. Yeah, running at him. And you're just like, oh my God, this guy's going to get fully mauled by this lion. No, the lion wraps its big mitts around the guy because he remembers him from his childhood and they hug and embrace. I would like for a lion tamer to call into the show, David Lee Scales. I would like to be one myself. I, I look up to, I admire them. Yeah. It's, I don't want to be an influencer. I want to be a lion tamer. And Ben Gravy, you should too. Bring back lion taming. Amen. Uh, it is funny though. You're right. Tiger's weird. Lion's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Super weird. <laughs> Remember when Siegfried did, or Roy, whichever one got attacked. I think it was Roy, right? I think so. Yeah, I think it, it was Roy. And I remember hearing Chris Rock talk about it shortly thereafter. He's like, man, these headlines are saying, you know, that lion went crazy. It attacked its, it attacked its uh, Roy, its owner, you know, that lion didn't go crazy. That lion or that tiger didn't go crazy. That tiger went tiger. <laughs> like that's what yeah. tigers do. The fact that that thing was performing in Vegas is the crazy part. The fact that yeah. he attacked Roy, totally normal. That's the normal part. Yeah. Bizarre. Have you ever, have you ever toured the white tiger exhibit at the, wherever it is? It's not a Mandalay Bay, yeah. it's Treasure Island, wherever. Yeah, I recommend Mirage. it. Mirage, that's where it is. You're exactly right. Go take a tour next time you're in Vegas. I have not, but I have uh, seen tigers, you know, in real life. It is a majestic creature and alarmingly huge and ferociously scary. Like, big. Just the sheer size is remarkable. Like his <laughs> head his head was this big, you know, and he, the, one instance I'm thinking about, he came out of his little whatever area and just looked at me, not even mad, wasn't even going to try to eat me, just kind of like looked at me through his cage. 
I immediately averted my gaze and like put my head down because it was just instinctual. That thing is a predator. I am not worthy. I don't even want to make eye contact with it. Well, we're going to learn how to be tough and look lions in the eyes, what we're going to do. <clears throat> I can't wait. Yeah, fun. All right, cool. Well, hey, uh, great seeing you. And um, next week is going to be our last week before Christmas. Let's try to get together in person. Let's definitely do. All right. Well, all good. Everybody go to beachgrit.com, surfsplendorpodcast.com, bubbacoos.com slash surf. And uh, we'll have Hannah sign us off. So until next week, Chaz. Bon voyage. And don't forget to post your job for free at linkedin.com slash surf. That's linkedin.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply.